0: I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, we'll say goodbye to Clone Club, as the Emmy-winning Canadian series Orphan Black has signed off after five seasons. Plus,
1: I'm Jeff Broad. We'll say hello to a new show on Showcase, starring Jessica Biel and Bill Pullman. Plus, just as I
0: said goodbye to Orphan Black after five seasons, I said hello as well to season number five of Ray Donovan, which is not beyond hope just yet. First, it's the news from the couch
1: Good morning, Mr. Phelps. This is your mission
0: should you choose to accept it. Should you or any member of your I.M. force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow all knowledge of your actions.
1: Ethan Hunt will be your point man as usual. Good luck, Jim. World-famous stuntman Tom Cruise hurt himself on the set of Mission Impossible 6 this week. He'll be all right, but he did break an ankle, and the movie, being shot in London, is on how on hold for now. There was a video of Cruise leaping from one building to another, hitting its side, and then crawling over the top. And hobbling away, it doesn't look like the hobble was part of the movie. The 55-year-old Cruz has always done as many of his own stunts as they'll let him. In the latest Mission, Imp- or the last rather, Mission Impossible movie, Rogue Nation, he strapped himself to the outside of a cargo plane while it was taking off. In the movie before that, Ghost Protocol, he scaled the tallest building in the world, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai.
0: Your line's not long enough! No!
1: For what it's worth, I think that scene is still my favorite IMAX scene of all time. Staggering stuff makes you feel like you're up there with them. And if heights make you nervous like it does me, it was quite a thrill. And I have faith they're cooking up something just as exciting for MI6 despite the hiatus in production. Paramount says that the film remains on schedule to open July 7th, 27th, 2018. This whole operation
0: was a decoy. You can understand you're very upset. You've never seen me very upset.
1: This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Meet the Andersons. Yes! They're all awaiting a big event. For your information, this is exactly what I ate when I was pregnant with all of you. But Les is excited about an even bigger event. Less than 48 hours away,
0: the people at the Department of Motor Vehicles are going to be handing you your license. Remember that? From 1988, the film License to Drive. Why are we talking about it today? Because 20th Century Fox is developing a remake. Yes, it's another remake. The original film stars Corey Haim as a 16-year-old who fails his driver's test but sneaks out anyway in his grandpa's 1972 Cadillac sedan, DeVille. His
1: reputation is riding on it. Do you think there's any chance we could get it Saturday night? Not a chance in hell, Dean. The date of a lifetime depends on it. Mercedes Lane. But it doesn't look good.
0: You
1: failed. He failed? failed? Honey, what
0: is wrong with you? Something. Ah. Is this the end for Les Anderson? out of my dreams. Ah, the musical stylings of Billy Ocean. The film co-starred Corey Feldman, as well as Heather Graham, who played Mercedes, the girl of Hames' dreams, who... He sneaks out to sea because they had a date, but then she gets drunk, so he just ends up goofing off of his buddies. The new story will feature women in the two lead roles.
1: There's nothing to worry about! It's like a sign. A sign from the big Mr. Goodwrench in the sky.
0: All right. Meanwhile, news this week about another popular 80s film, which co-starred Corey Feldman. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do, they change.
1: Yeah.
0: Gremlins, the news this week. The script is ready to go for Gremlins 3. The first Gremlins was released in 1984, and it was a huge success, bringing in $150 million domestically. The movie was about a cute, fuzzy little animal named Gizmo. He was a mogwai who had the ability to multiply if exposed to water, and if he eats after midnight, would change into a gremlin. They become clever. <laughs> Mischievous. What's going on here? I'm dangerous. Gremlins, huh? Little monsters. Right. Hundreds of them. Well, I, I don't know, maybe thousands.
1: They've <laughs> been here too. Billy, what are these things? Where do they come from? Look, I know it sounds crazy, I know, but in a few hours, you're going to have a major disaster on your hands. In
0: 1990, we got a sequel. (laughs) Gremlins 2. The New Batch.
1: Now, was that civilized? No, clearly not. Fun, but in no sense civilized.
0: That sequel was a really silly kind of meta version of Gremlins, and it was not nearly as good as the first one. Now, Chris Columbus, who is the original Gremlins writer, confirms he has finished the latest script for Gremlins 3, which may center on someone trying to kill Gizmo to save the planet from the terror that cute little guy is capable of unleashing. Columbus tells slash Film it's as twisted and dark as anything. Quote, I wanted to go back to the really twisted sensibility of the first movie. Originally, this was supposed to be a reboot. And we told you about that back in, I think, August of 2014. But Columbus decided to make it a sequel. And he says the creatures will still be puppets with minimal CG, which is pretty cool. Grandmonds. Directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting you. Whatever is left of me... Whatever I am... I'm yours. That's
1: Daniel Craig as James Bond, and there's been speculation for months that he was done with the iconic role of 007. For one thing, he said at one point that he would rather, quote, slit his wrists and play blonde again. Finally this week the speculation ended and Craig gave a concrete answer. Craig has already been in four Bond films, his first, 2006's Casino Royale. I hope our little game isn't causing you to perspire. It doesn't bother you, killing those people. Well, I wouldn't be very good at my job if it did. That was a great introduction to Craig's Bond. Unfortunately, they followed it up in 2008 with the not-so-stellar Quantum of Solace. When you can't tell your friends from your enemies, it's time
0: to go. Right now, I think you're the only person I can trust.
1: not a great movie and probably the worst title in the Bond canon, things got considerably brighter after a four-year hiatus with one of the best Bond movies ever in Skyfall. 007 reporting for duty.
0: Where the hell have you been?
1: Enjoying death. But it was back to the garbage pile in 2015 with the underwhelming Spectre. So what's going on, James? They say you're finished. What do you think? I think you're just getting started. Even though he's only really two and two on these things, most people agree Daniel Craig has been a terrific James Bond. And this week he joined Stephen Colbert on The Late Show to answer the question on everyone's mind. Daniel Craig, will you return as James Bond? Yes. But Mr. Craig, I thought you said you'd rather kill yourself than suit up as 007 again. It's been a couple of months yeah, I and mean, we've been discussing it and wow. we've just been trying to sort of figure things out. And, uh, but I, I always wanted to. Uh, I, I needed a break. He's 49 now and says the fifth time will likely be the last time, although he's not promising anything anymore. A new Bond movie is slated to be released in 2019.
0: Some men are coming to kill us. We're gonna kill them first.
1: Evans, FBI. Hi, what's going on? We believe your husband's partner was murdered. What? Let's all stop playing this game, shall we? Lying, running. Aren't you both tired? We made a choice to move our family to a more peaceful place. As Jason Bateman and Laura Linney in the Netflix show Ozark, Bateman plays a financial manager in Chicago who launders money, which leads him and his family to move to the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri, where things get even crazier with a drug cartel. It dropped on Netflix less than a month ago, and this week was renewed for a second season. So if you were, like me, hedging your bets before watching it to see if it was coming back, you got the green light now. Season two will likely come out sometime next year.
0: Money is, at its essence, that measure of a man's choices.
1: What you do today for our family. We're the same, you and I. Just a couple of hot-headed fools. But hawk like raging fire. Thor like smoldering fire.
0: (laughs) There is a new trailer out this week for the upcoming film about the god of thunder, Thor Ragnarok. It's a Japanese trailer that features the Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange.
1: Thor sense a great change in your future. Destiny has dire plans for you, my friend.
0: I have dire plans for destiny. Thor's visit with Doctor Strange, a.k.a. the Sorcerer Supreme, was teased at the end of last year's Doctor Strange movie, which debuted on November 4th, and this trailer confirms he will, in fact, be in Thor Ragnarok, which debuts November 3rd. I'm not a queen. Or a monster. I'm the goddess of death. What were you, the god of again?
1: it! Battle Royale!
0: They did say after all it was a Japanese trailer. We'll tell you what's coming to home video up next. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. You have no idea. What you have unleashed. What? uh... Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun. We are the Couch Potatoes having a look at what is coming to home video this upcoming Tuesday, August 22nd. And what was that, Jeff? What the?
1: That was uh, Tom Cruise in The Mummy, also starring uh, Maximus Decimus Meridius, whose name I can't remember. Russell Crowe. There you go.
0: (laughs) You saw it. Any good? It was okay. I gave it, I believe I gave it three couch questions out of five. It, was, it spent more time trying to sort of lay the groundwork to launch the dark universe, Universal's cinematic universe, uh, rather than just tell a good story. Right. So I think they failed on both fronts. It was okay but yeah well we'll see where it goes from there also out uh
1: on digital hd all eyes on me that was the tupac movie so if you like that that's coming out uh hard copies dvds and blu-rays guardians of the galaxy volume two i guess we'll both go pick that up pretty quickly huh? that should also be available on demand if you'd
0: rather just rent it off your
1: tv yeah that's already there um ash versus evil dead season two a bunch of tv stuff blue blood season seven brooklyn 99 season four season two of daredevil and season one of jessica jones Season two of Lucifer, uh, season eight of NCIS, Cool J, season two of Supergirl, and season seven of The Walking Dead, as well on Netflix on the twenty fourth. Uh, Fences, the Oscar contender that Viola Davis won an Oscar for that. Denzel Washington was in it.
0: Not a great movie, but not a terrible movie. Certainly worth a watch on Netflix. And you sorry, you said it was. It's already there. It's already available on demand. Guardians. Yeah. Last week we said so or the week before. I think that's for for the digital HDs. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. It's it's so it was so much easier <laughs> when it was just DVDs. I know. But now it's DVDs and Blu-rays. There's, now don't you don't even bother with the Ultra 4K Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't and
1: especially when it comes to guardians because we saw we we see movies like
0: that in the movie theaters. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter know. when they yeah. come to home video. But there you go. Uh We've got a couple of minutes here. Oh, okay. To, to tee up a
1: show that yeah. we're both excited about. A new show starts this week. It's the sort of the first trickle before the deluge of new shows that will follow in the fall. This one's called The Sinner, and it stars Jessica Beale and Bill Pullman.
0: I'm guessing that this isn't where you thought you'd be when you woke up this morning, is it? I'm sorry.
1: I've never met him before in my life. Here's the synopsis from Showcase. The center follows a young mother, Jessica Beale, who, overcome by an inexplicable fit of rage, commits a startling act of violence, and to her, horror has no idea why. It launches an inverted and utterly surprising crime thriller whose driving force is not the who or the what, but the why. As an investigator, Bill Pullman finds himself obsessed with uncovering the woman's motive. Together, they travel a harrowing journey into the depths of her psyche and the violent secrets hidden in her past. And it looks pretty intense. That's an impulse killing. It's emotional. Whatever you
0: have to do now, I won't blame you. You know the mind plays tricks? You see things that aren't there. What are you remembering? It looked like he recognized her. She attacks him in public. So you think she's lying? This doesn't make any sense.
1: And I'm sure Pullman gets to do his share of whisper acting, of which he's so fond. It just cracks me up when he whispers a lot in the movies. Uh, While The Sinner starts here in Canada this week, it actually debuted a few weeks ago in the USA on the network called USA. It's getting fair to middling reviews story-wise, but everyone seems to agree that Jessica Biel is really killing it. Pardon the pun. It's an
0: eight-episode season. The Sinner premieres Monday at 10 Eastern and Pacific on Showcase. That looks pretty cool. I think I'll at least check out the pilot episode to see what's what, and still, to come, we'll talk some Orphan Black as well. The Defenders debuts this weekend, and Ray Donovan, Season 5, has made its debut. And Jeff uncovered something interesting about Christopher Nolan, so we'll get to all of that up next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes.
1: Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he is Brett, and new in theaters this weekend, nothing super huge. Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson team up in the action comedy The Hitman's Bodyguard.
0: I'm a triple-A-rated executive protection agent. And you're the most wanted hitman in the world. My job is to keep you out of harm's way.
1: Jackson is the hitman, Reynolds is the bodyguard assigned to protect him, and they hate each other. Violence and hijinks ensue. I hope they kill him, I really do. This guy
0: single-handedly ruined the word (laughs)
1: As you can imagine, it's not for kids. A lot of swearing and gunplay, and Samuel L. Jackson, as we all know, is among the best cursers on the planet. F-bombs are poetry coming out of that guy's mouth. Ryan Reynolds, always funny when he gets to be smart-alecky, so while it does look pretty dumb, it also looks pretty entertaining. But the movie Crickets beg to differ. It's only at 54% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's a big movie this weekend, continuing you know, this trend of August somehow being one of the worst months for new movies, even though it's still summer. There are some smaller movies out this weekend as well including Steven Soderbergh's Logan Lucky starring Channing Tatum, Kylo Ren and James Bond. It's a caper thing set in the world of race cars. It's getting good reviews. But for the temple stuff, every year feels more and more like studios are pushing the things they think might tank into August. I mean, sure, they'll get lucky every now and then with a Guardian of the Galaxy Volume 1 a couple years ago, but the movies you would think were the most bankable don't come out in August. And I heard some critics on a podcast this week, Brett, they said that Christopher Nolan always pushes for his movies to come out near the end of July because he knows August kind of sucks competition wise and his movies can then have you know several strong weekends in a row at number one or two and that's exactly what has been happening with Dunkirk this right now is its fifth weekend. It's been number, I think it was number one for three weeks and uh, in second place last weekend. It's made $150 million in the U.S. alone, $366 million globally. And that's a war movie with no Americans in it, making $150 million in the United States, which is an impressive accomplishment.
0: That is very impressive. Yeah. I thought for sure it would be a failure in the United States.
1: Yeah, that it would be like an impressive uh, technical thing, but always be considered like his... Very minor film or whatever, instead of being a big hit.
0: Yeah, but uh, no, that's uh, and it's also an interesting point of what's happening with August. You no, know, I'm trying to think. Uh, okay, I'm just going to start. The Born Ultimatum, I think, was an August film. If Is that memory serves, the second serves. one of those. That was the third one. Supremacy, second. One. So that was an August uh, third release, and it was it did very well. It opened with 69 million, and it went on to make nearly. Uh, well over four hundred million dollars. You yeah. mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm trying to remember. it Was Ant Man a July? I think that was a July movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they, they always put like movies that this month, for example, it was The Dark Tower, which I would expect, <laughs> which I, I would suspect they expected it to do much better. Yeah, but I, but also, you know,
1: it wasn't like the sure thing that. Uh, Fast and the Furious, Beauty and
0: the Beast, or Spider Man would have been right for sure. Yeah, with the Guardians was a very pleasant surprise. Yeah, I think they expected it to make maybe fifty million, but it went on to make just short of a hundred million, I think, in its first weekend. That was a major uh, surprise. So August, it's kind of I, I guess August maybe is sort of the last gasp for summer. So people would rather go out and do stuff in, that's true. <laughs> in the nice weather before. I've,
1: I've actually thought of that as like, oh, there's all sorts of things I wanted to do this summer and there's only, you know, two weeks left before September, I'd better get on them. Yeah. So I think that's
0: probably what happens to a lot of people, which is exactly why I did the opposite this past Tuesday where I watched eight and a half hours of television <laughs> So I'll tell you about that up next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. Before we discuss, before we say goodbye to the great Canadian television show Orphan Black, just want to very quickly revisit the discussion on August being a bizarre month at the movies. It is part of the summer box office season, which is typically where all the blockbusters go. But August also ends up being a month where a lot of movies go to die, but not all of them. Just because the Dark Tower opened the month, doing very poorly, it made something like, well, here, let's just find out. The Dark Tower, I'm at boxofficemojo.com right now. The Dark Tower opened the month of August with $19 million, and to date, well, at least by midweek, it had made up to $36 million. So that's not very good, but it's drastic... Difference compared to what happened last year. Suicide Squad opened the month of August last year with $133 million. Easily outpacing the previous August champion, which in 2014 was Guardians of the Galaxy at $94 million. And before that in 2007, it was the previously mentioned The Bourne Ultimatum at $69 million. So there are hit movies in August, but it seems like more and more there are not so I just wanted to very quickly mention that now let's talk about how this past weekend marked the end of the wonderful Canadian success story five seasons have wrapped up and we have now said goodbye to the TV show Orphan Black
1: something really weird just happened at the train station what? I saw a girl kill herself <laughs> who? yeah and she looked exactly like me I've got to go up to a flat He's got $75,000 in the savings account. I have an idea. Sarah, any second someone's going to ID the body and it's game over. Beth, what's happening? Do you even know who you're talking to? How many of us are there?
0: Orphan Black debuted in 2013 on Space in Canada and in the US, BBC America. On Good Friday in 2014, I finally decided to start watching this show because the next day, Season 2 was going to begin. So on Good Friday, I watched 9 <laughs> nine of Season 1's 10 episodes, and the next day, I finished Season 1, and I watched the first episode of Season 2, which ran that night. And I remember Entertainment Weekly had a week-long build-up to the beginning of season two. They love this show. And I had previously been told by my dad, Smash Gordon, that I should watch it. And I finally once, uh, Smash Gordon and EW.com combined to tell me to watch it. I figured I should give this a shot. And I love it. The very basic story here was teased in that clip. Tatiana, Tatiana Maslani, who is an actress from Regina... She plays Sarah Manning, a girl from England, now living in Canada. She's a bit of a con artist, a hustler, back in town to see her daughter. On the platform waiting for a train, she sees a woman kill herself, a woman who looks just like her. So she steals this woman's purse and assumes her identity in a bid to clean out this woman's bank account. And her life is forever changed as she gets sucked into a world where she realizes... There are many women who look just like her, and now she wants to know why. Tatiana Maslany also plays Cosima, who is kind of a hippie, laid-back scientist, uh, and her science is going to help her figure out the disease that she has that could one day affect all of the clones. It has already affected some other clones that they know of. Maslany also plays Allison an uptight soccer mom who runs a tight ship in suburbia. She has a penchant as well for shooting guns and has a little bit of a problem with substance abuse from time to time. Then there's Helena, a Ukrainian religious zealot assassin slash warrior of God who starts the season as a serious problem. And I can't forget about Rachel, an ice-cold woman who is part of the organization behind this big clone conspiracy. From a technical standpoint, just from the technical standpoint alone, it is such an impressive feat they have accomplished in Orphan Black because sometimes there are four versions of Tatiana Maslany on screen. Dancing, for example. There's a, There's a famous dance party scene and you would never know that it's one person playing four different characters because whatever they've figured out how to do it with these composite shots, they have mastered it in this show. If you look really closely, you can maybe see where they've sort of weaved these shots together, but it is more or less flawless. And then on top of the composite shots, which are so good, it is the acting on the part of Maslany that really sends us one, really knocks us one out of the park, because all of these different women are vastly different characters. They have different accents, different mannerisms, different posture. You don't look at the show and think, hey, that's cool that one woman is playing all these characters. You just think that they're all different women. And then there are scenes where she plays one character who is impersonating another character. Just put yourself in that mindset for a second. You're an actor, you're playing somebody who is trying to play someone else who looks just like you. Even at the very end of the series, we meet a new clone in Colombia, And of course, Maslany masters not just another accent, but another language entirely. For a scene that maybe goes 60 seconds, she creates this brand new character with new body language and... It's just a sign of how much she respect how much work she puts into the series and that hard work has been rewarded. She was nominated for best actress at the Emmys in 2015 and in 2016 she won the award. She's also cleaned up at the Canadian Screen Awards as has the show. She's been nominated at the Golden Globe. She's been nominated at countless awards and it's all well deserved. But it's not just her as far as the acting goes. Good supporting cast, for example, Jordan Gaviris, who is from Brampton, Ontario. You would never guess he's Canadian. Lani's a- English accent, accents. She actually plays multiple characters with English accents. Her English accents are pretty good, but Guevaris really nails it. I actually thought he was an English import. Turns out he is a Canuck. Entertainment Weekly did an interview with him and the headline on their website was something about the man behind the best fake accent on TV. As far as his character goes, I thought he might be just some annoying sidekick at first, but he turned out to be one of the best parts of the show. Funny, smug, and relentlessly loyal. As far as the show, the way the the story works, there's the big sort of all-encompassing mythology story. You know, who are these women, really? Why are they identical? But then they also do some... Little basic stories, individual stories. How does Allison, the uptight soccer mom, deal with her gossipy neighbors? How does Cosima, the science nerd, deal with her romantic entanglements? And then, of course, at first there was Sarah, assuming Beth's identity. Beth is a police officer, so Sarah had to learn how to do Beth's job and not go to jail. which she learned was not all that easy. The first season was crazy addictive. Second season not so much seasons two and three. I thought the story got rather messy while they tried to expand the mythology season four managed to rein it back in and it made for an excellent season. And the fifth and final season, which just wrapped up last weekend was also excellent with a very satisfying conclusion. In fact, I ended the series much the same way I began with a binge. I watched six episodes on Tuesday to close out the series And then I was sad because it's gone. But I suspect we will see much more of the excellent cast now that Orphan Black is finished. If you have not seen it, you can watch it. Orphan Black is available on Crave TV. Who is the original? Who created us? We're property. Everything we are belongs to them. You don't own us.
1: Surrender yourself.
0: I'm Brett McGarry. He's Jeff Braun. We are the Couch Potatoes. And just as I said goodbye to Orphan Black after watching its final six episodes on Tuesday, I decided to get caught up on the first two episodes of season five of a show that I've mentioned over the years that I like very much, Ray Donovan.
1: What do you do, Ray? I work for people like you. What do you do? people like me.
0: I'm the guy you go when things go wrong. Leah Schreiber plays Ray Donovan, a Hollywood fixer. When people with money screw up and need someone to clean up, they call Ray. When someone brings you into their problem, you're discreet. Whatever the fee is, I'll pay it.
1: The things people in this town demand. Unbelievable. Bless. My father knows a lot of powerful people and he can be dangerous when someone doesn't give him what he wants.
0: The show isn't just about the problems that Ray fixes on a professional level. He has a harder time fixing his family's problems because they are very dysfunctional. Season three was one of my favorite shows of 2015. Season four was a big disappointment. It did have a satisfying conclusion, but it ended, it was a rather happy ending. So I wondered where else can they take this story? Turns out in season five, they've gotten creative. They've opened the season with a couple of mysteries and they are slowly revealing what those mysteries or how those mysteries unfolded through flashbacks. It's a different tactic for this series and I applaud them for trying something different, but I'm kind of wondering if it's a gimmick that is just going to get annoying. In fact, it already has gotten annoying just two episodes in. So if they drag out these mysteries the whole season, then I think that this will be the end of the line for me and Ray Donovan. I was actually debating whether or not I would even start watching season five. Ultimately, though, I do enjoy the cast. Liev Schreiber's great. John Voigt is great, as his father, Mickey. It's a great ensemble cast. Ray Donovan airs Sunday nights on the movie network. It hails from Showtime in the United States. And before we forget, got to mention that on Netflix this weekend, new to Netflix this weekend, The Defenders. Can't fight these people. Not even with whatever it is your hand can do. It's cheap. It's not. It is the Team Up miniseries, several years in the making, featuring Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. They're hunting our friends, our families, and they're not going to stop there. More death is coming. And the only thing keeping Manhattan from crumbling to a pile of dust. so far the reviews that i've seen the the main theme of these reviews seems to be that it's good it's not great i think i actually read one headline that read the defenders falls just short of being super i hope to watch this week and have a report for you next week that's all the time we have i'm brad he's jeff we are the couch potatoes remember if it requires getting up off the couch don't bother